So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Nikki Leach and Richard O'Shields, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm Richard O'Shields, and over here to the north, that away, Nikki Leach. How are you, Nikki? I'm good. Stop saying north. You're focusing on the cold aspect oh, of my world. No. <laughs> Stop it. I'm actually okay, I'm just fantastic. Right over there. Fantastic. We had an awesome show this morning uh, for our listeners who are still catching up on what else we're doing out there. You know, our regulars who've been listening to Everyday Connection for years now. We're on year three, which is really cool. Uh, We are doing Waking Up with Everyday Connection every morning on the Flow Cooperative from 9 to 11. Eastern time. Check it out because it's a game changer. The whole entire show is focused on looking at that within the media and in our news that is positive. So you're looking for the yum in the world? Come hang out with us. Yeah, all good news all the time. It's like, I don't know, it's like the Today Show, except no fear, just good news. Mm. Yeah, because in this whole co-creative experiment that we're playing right now on planet Earth, we know that our thoughts create our reality. So we thought it would be beneficial to people if we could give them positive stuff to focus on so that that expands. And I think our guest tonight might have something to say on that because I'm a fan and I don't get to say that often about our guests because I'm not supposed to know them and where they came from and what they do. Also bring the listener perspective and it's been hard to miss. It's kind of hard to not know who this guy is. Or at least know of his work. Um, Yes, certainly. I usually do the introduction with the whole, you know, uh, author, producer, uh, marketer, all-around super guy. But I'll just start the introduction this way tonight. Um, And I I think all of you or an awful lot of our listeners will recognize immediately who it is before I even say his name. Attention, all you rule breakers, you misfits and troublemakers, all you free spirits and pioneers, all you visionaries and nonconformists. We have with us tonight, Garrett John Laporto. Hey, Garrett. How's it going? Hey, it's going all right. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Having a great time. Good, we're good. Absolutely. So we have, you know, only one big question for you. It's very important. I hope you study. I hope you're listening. Oh, I didn't yeah. study. I came unprepared. Oh. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally prepared for this. All right, Garrett. 
Who on earth are you, and what do you do? Who says I'm on earth? Oh, what? You went there already? Already. (laughs) (laughs) Who on earth am I, and what do I do? Yep. I'm a professional troublemaker. And uh, who am I? I don't even know who I am, so good luck on that one. Working on it. Working on it. Yeah. I mean, who, who is who is who is the who is who does? That's the that's the game of the ego. I think the more you get into the who you are, the less you can focus on the what you are. And that's more what I'm interested in. What am I? All right. Excellent. I'll play. One of the best answers ever. First of all, so thank you for that. Right. What are you? A professional That's troublemaker. Really good professional <laughs> troublemaker. Well, yeah. In one in one respect, for sure. Uh, and you can give all those labels, you know, author, producer, uh, singer, songwriter, uh, speech maker, uh, professional troublemaker, computer programmer, all those things. Um, but then there's like the the deeper what, like what are what what am I quickly translates into what are we like, what is this thing that we experience through this consciousness that we all share? Like, what is that? Where does it come from? How does it exist? Does it exist? Does it come from this uh, planet? Like who on earth are you? Is that what you asked me originally or where on earth? Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like, so, I mean, there's a huge assumption there that I'm on earth. You know, and maybe my body is, but uh, where's my consciousness coming from? Where's that beaming in from? Is that is that earth based? Is that is that created by the the brain body that's this terrestrial creature on the earth? And as soon as that brain and body are gone, there goes my consciousness. Is it somehow anchored like a ghost to this planet, or is it uh, ephemeral and gone when when one passes on when their body dies? Or is it something that kind of beams in from another dimension? And then, well, then what is that? Where is that coming from? Uh, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty big question. What are we? But I think the more we ask it, the, uh, the deeper we get to go down that rabbit hole. We like the rabbit hole, which is why we ask the question. Because yeah. oftentimes you can differentiate between what's going to be a really awesome show and what's going to be your atypical interview right in those first few minutes in how they respond to that first key question. Who on earth are you? Because right now at the moment I'm hanging out on earth doing this show. Yeah. Well, you think you are. Let's let's do a little thought experiment. Okay. Um, All right. I love games. So let's, uh, let's take that, that, that beautiful uh, mind of yours, but let's take your brain. Okay. Well, let's say, where is your mind first? Where's your mind? Like, is it brain, your heart? What, what, like, what is the, the thing that says you're saying is on earth? Is it your whole body? Like, what is that thing that you, that holds your consciousness? Where is it? Here? See, yeah. Hmm? Here. You going to answer this one or mine? <laughs> oh, no, but like, yeah. where is it? Like, where is it physically in your, like, Here. If, I, if I take oh. your off. Oh. Do, do you, are, are you still there? Like if your arm is um, destroyed, are you still there? If that's replaced with a bionic arm or 
um, you know, nothing. You lose an arm. Yes. Oh, sure. Are, are you still there? Yeah. You lose yeah, both I'm arms, both legs. Are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay. If you have a heart replacement, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Okay. What, but what, maybe so, a little different. Maybe like, a little different. Maybe a little different flavor. Maybe a different I flavor. Maybe, maybe your heart does actually contain some of your consciousness. Maybe that, maybe that is maybe. the ingredient, right? Uh, if you have a liver transplant, does that affect where you are? Well, I'm thinking by this know. time, with all this stuff that's going on, I might opt to go somewhere else. It's possible. Well, it depends we, on we're trying to just nail why. that. Just trying to like nail that. What are the essential ingredients for your consciousness? What is like the minimal pieces of you that like your consciousness, the you that is you that is you. What? Where? Where are those? What are those key ingredients? Like, what if we had to strip away everything and replace it with uh, bionic parts? What parts are like the essential ingredients of like I'm still here. This is still me. I say at a minimum you have to have the brain and the heart. Okay, I dig that. And because it, I think to be a whole, it, you, whatever you got here is just part of you. Sure. Like the hand is part of the body. But yeah, I would say those are the two essential interface pieces or metaphors for interface or whatever we, however we, what is this? Oh, wait, oh, we, I, we skipped Okay, but that. I would argue... But yeah. I would argue, because he's, he's saying to replace it with bionic parts, so I would argue that why is it not possible, with the power of consciousness being what it is, that you could actually choose consciously to inhabit a bionic body? Right. Well, I, I so think if enough of the interface be, was there, yeah, sure you could. My, so, my argument so could you have a bionic be, brain? Bionic heart, or do you still need the like organic brain, organic heart? That is, you, like, would you be willing to bet that somehow you're? Well, you get you get this whole issue of reincarnation all of a sudden, or something of that sort. Like, how do you direct your spirit to incarnate a silicon brain and heart? Like, you might not be able to adequately do that. So, if you're gonna like sort of say, no, that's the buck stops here. I'm not willing to give up these organs because I'm, you know, as long as you keep my brain and heart together, I know. I'm still here, but you get rid of those, I might not be here anymore. It's kind of what I'm hearing I Richard say. I can't definitively say that. I okay. can't definitively say that. Yeah, I, I, can't I, definitively I would say go that. out on a limb. Yeah. I would go out on a limb and saying that my consciousness is powerful enough that if I chose, yeah. that I could inhabit a fully bionicle body. Sure. Would you bet your Why life? Why not? Would you bet your life on it? That's well, I'd rather like this life. Yeah, yeah I get it. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, if someone said to you, look, you have a choice, we can. Um, you know, your, your body endured this horrific casualty or disease or something, and we can save you, and you have two choices. We, um, we, we keep your brain and your heart and save you that way, or we've got this other new experimental thing where we think your consciousness is so powerful that you could just leap right fully into the silicon machine. Dude, I, I'm just crazy enough. I'm just crazy enough to run with that because to give it a really, try. if my body, yeah. seriously, if my body is compromised to the point where yeah. my quality of life is such that I'm not going to enjoy this experience anymore, yeah. then yeah, well, either, bring it. Either, Absolutely, either, either, bring it. No, 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 I'll either, try it. 
Other, no, no, no. We want to see both are equal. Like in terms of like whether you keep your brain and your heart or whether you just give it up entirely. Like they're equal in terms of life, quality of life afterwards, if you live. If you live. Right. And And so the the, the thing is, I think there is this kind of common mm, uh, wisdom or this common sense that says, you know, you get rid of the brain and the heart. Now you're kind of, I mean, someone's brain dead. They're kind of dead, you know, even if the heart's still beating. If someone, Usually when uh, we unplug them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there is this kind of sense that, well, consciousness really needs your brain. However, yes. I mean, however, yeah. I would argue again, because I did have an experience when I was 16 mm-hmm. that speaks to exactly what you're talking about. My aunt and I were in a car accident. Uh-huh. She was driving. She died, essentially, yeah. brain dead, mm-hmm. was well. brain dead. For wow, brain dead. A okay, week, yeah. Brain a dead week. for wow. a week before okay. we hold on, I'm not done. Before a yeah. week before we took her off life support. And my cousins and I all swear that we felt her leave a day after she was on we knew she was there. She was still well, in that body, brain dead or not. She well, was yeah, there we're still and we felt there. Like you could yeah. feel her presence, but but was it in the was it in that body? Well, if it was fully in, a, in that body, you know. Oh, I know, but it could have—it could have been, right? I, like it, I, I kind of view it like, I don't know, like a we're still anchored a, there, like right? a dive suit, like from yeah. this. What? What are we? Where are we? What? Whatever that. Whatever that is. If you skip yeah. around that question, that when that decides to look in three D, that this is what three D sees. Yeah. Um, and that it's really kind of just a metaphor and a symbol. So I think you could probably. You know, how much expression you could have would depend, you know, if you had a really good silicon, you know, so brain of data from Star Trek. You felt her her presence until until you took her off the life support, and then you felt the presence. We took her off the life support, and about a a day after that. Yeah. Where physically do you presume she went? It felt... It's it's odd that that I'm going to describe it this way, but it kind of felt like she just kind of dispersed. Mm. And I know that sounds crazy, but <clears throat> yeah. I, I bring to mind a puff of smoke that just like disperses, and wow. or 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 a drop of water that falls into a pool of water and becomes part of the water. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel like she was gone, gone. However, the cr- concentration of energy that we knew as her seemed to just kind of go. Vanity. And I, you know, it wasn't just me that noticed it. It was my cousins as well. Of course, we never told our parents or my aunts and uncles because they would think we were crazy. They would, they would be wanting to have you in the drug test. Yeah. We discussed it at great length that night because we were like, did you get that? And they were like, yeah, yeah. I really and like- so I remember that really well. I really like your um, description, dispersed. Um, and so let's let's just for the uh, model here, the little thought experiment we're doing, let's go with that the heart and brain are focusing agents of the soul or your essence, right? And so you have some sort of DNA marker or something in your heart and brain that kind of keeps your essence focused there while those are, are preserved. So we'll go with that for a moment if you, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. And then the thing, now we put it into this bionic body, right? 
And so that's the first piece. Now, we, do we all agree that like, you're still there, you just have a bionic body. And so that bionic body can run around and do all the things that your you know, organic body used to do. It's just different, different materials. Does that still feel true to you? It can work. I can see it as possible. I certainly could see it as possible. So the next step, we know with the uh, with Wi-Fi and telecommunications, all that stuff. Um, why does the bionic body actually need to be directly physically connected to the heart and brain? You could have a bionic body that's running around while the heart and brain are somewhere else. Does that seem legitimate? Just like absolutely, absolutely, it's, bionic body running like around on Mars technology. or something. Indeed. Right, you don't you don't even have to take any risk about like your bionic body getting to an accident because if it like gets destroyed, well, your heart and brain were safely in some, uh, you know, well well protected uh, environment somewhere, just just signaling it out. You could pick up a new one. Now that being <laughs> so the case, random. right? Now that being the case, then it's really a question of. When your bionic body is running around enjoying life, it's rolling in the grass and you're experiencing being in the grass and the grass is on your face and you're playing and you're making love or you're doing something, you're driving or jumping around, like for all intents and purposes, it feels like you're really there. But that bionic body could um, be anywhere and it's not where your heart and brain are. So then the question is, where are you? Right. Well, it's kind of like that metaphor we've used about calling this show, like sitting around the campfire telling stories, is because oh. I, I view life like that, that you're in a hammock somewhere having, this is a, a dream you're having, an afternoon nap, and you're going to get up in a bit and go sit around the campfire and tell all your friends Oh man, you won't believe this one. I was breathing and stuff. What was that all about? Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. Um, it's that kind of a metaphoric thing that I get because it just doesn't. Not sure it exactly translates into 3D sort of thought brain thing. Piece well, then you take, you, take, you take the next step with this thought experiment and you say, well, um, what if the the agent, the receiving agents of the bionic body for your heart and brain are you know, sort of like these heart and brain antennas. So your heart and brain send out electromagnetic signals and nerve signals, and those get wired into uh, some sort of antenna that beams it to your bionic body that's got the receiving agents for those, the receiving antenna that translates those back into all the feelings and sends signals back and forth from your bionic fingertips to your your heart uh, receiver and beams that back to to whatever, um, you know, whatever home your heart and brain are sitting in, um, all protected and safe. And now if it's doing that, then, then it, you know, it could even be said, you take that to the next level, it's like, what are your heart and brain? What if they're just uh, antenna? What if they're just receiving agents for your soul? So then, so then they're just beaming something somewhere at some level to wherever your soul really resides and your soul is focused on those particular localities because there's something going on on some electromagnetic level that allows your soul to influence your heart and brain.
sleep. It's actually one of the best transmitter receiver <laughs> and interface mechanisms that I've ever seen. There you go. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's pretty wild. That's, that's the way I see the brain. Yes. The brain more than the heart is like an interface. Yeah. And, um, and that the heart's just sort of a energetic connection, almost mm-hmm. like. Uh, you know, they talk about being able to beam microwave energy so that you wouldn't actually have to have a power source inside of a vehicle. If it, this beam was focused on it, it would just run off the beam. And mm. then that sort of is what goes on in the heart. Like everything that could be going on in the brain could, could come down that stream, but it's in this big stream. It's kind of hard to filter just that bit out. It's this knowingness. Yeah. And, um, um, but then the brain is like the more like the keyboard where you can translate that thought into um, words and pictures and things, you know. Yeah. It looks like um, Nikki's heart and brain just kicked out for a minute. Come back in. There she is. Well, she's uh, <laughs> she's off in the wilds of Quebec in the bush. She, she she dispersed momentarily. Yeah, just went. I she, did. She, just <laughs> so she was there, and then she wasn't there, and now she's there again. What? I I thought I'd show how that works. Yeah, the internet versus the internet. Mm. Drop the T, add an N. Yeah, the internet. I think that's. I think that's almost you could call uh, this heart and heart and brain I've got in this. Uh, Beautiful bubble of biology is a, a node on the internet. Mm. Two ends. Mm. Cool. Interactive terminal. Cool. But um, yeah, per- you've blown everybody's mind, and now that we can definitively say we finally found a guest who could really challenge us, which is awesome. Take us to the next level. I'd love to learn. How did you get started on this? Like, what happened to you that brought you this far down the rabbit hole? Uh, I got it. What happened to you? <laughs> what, what did happen to me? I don't know. I think I've always been a little bit down the rabbit hole. I just kind of, and I know where to dig. That's the thing. I have great instincts about where to dig. I probably should have been a treasure hunter uh, in a past life or something. Well, you are. I am. It I'm looking. I'm looking for psych, you know, psychological treasure or spiritual treasure all the time. And what I am constantly drawn to is what what are we, um, and why are we, and uh, and how do we amplify the why? How do we um, be more of what we are and how do we um, how do we amplify what it is we are? So I guess amplifying the what is probably more true than the why. The why is simple, but the what, the what, the what, the what. If we can just be more, more of what we are, more and more of the what. Isn't that what life is? Isn't like the whole evolution of life just becoming more of what we are? I think so. Absolutely. Start off as a protozoa with the DNA strand, or even before that, the, the water molecules. And keep keep amplifying that life essence into something greater, into something more, 
to something more of what we are. And so here we are in these fragile human bodies and we kind of identify with them and I'm looking at your pretty faces on this Skype call and I, you know, I might be tempted to believe that that is who and what you are, but really that's just one moment in the infinite progression and your essence may be focused on an incredibly more intricate and complex and beautiful and intelligent uh, creature or form of some sort in, in another hundred years or another thousand years. Then we'll still think that that's what we are, but, or maybe we'll be beyond that. Maybe we'll realize that that's not even what we are. That we were thinking too small way back when. Yeah. But isn't that the point? I mean, if if you want to play the growth and expansion game, yeah. the evolutionary game, you have to start small. There's absolutely no point in starting big. No, you can't. The I whole mean, idea right. I mean, is to expand, grow, and... In this universe, you've got to start small for sure. But what my from the future video, we are from the future, what that is actually indicating is something um, a little bit different. It's like, what if, what if there is this future self that we are evolving towards that is indistinguishable from the most perfect perfection, the most intelligent intelligence, the most powerful, uh, beautiful expression of our souls and what if that is the template that all of life is progressing to and what if that is actually where we are beaming our consciousness from what if our consciousness really originates in the future and is beaming back through time and like like gravity pulling the physical universe into our shape that that like in the Bible it says God made man in His image. Well, what if um, what if that God that we can't comprehend is? I mean, they say God is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So, like, if God is perfect truth and perfect life, and God is creating humans or man in his own own image maybe he maybe that's not exactly what it says maybe what was said was god is creating life in his own image and the word his is such a weird word to use in relationship to something as mind-blowingly huge as god but we're just you know personifying god but if god is if life is creating life in this universe in its own image and what if life is from the future what if life is something beyond time that shines into our physical universe and overrides the second law of thermodynamics and creates beautiful, exquisite beauty? See, because that, well, that, to me, brings it full circle. That brings it right around to its, its core beginnings. And so the cycle begins again. That that, whatever it is, God, uh, all it is, George, um, has has witnessed, has observed that perfection, 
And so now having observed that perfection and collapsed that wave using the quantum physics terms, you collapse that probability wave, it, that it does sort of go back through time and sort out all those infinite number of pathways into the strange long and winding road that ended up with that expression. Right. And that we're just going for that ride to see how cool it was to get to where we already started. Sort yeah. Of. Yeah. So, so here's where it's at, folks. Uh, you know, the universe starts off with three fundamental forces. You have, like, I mean, this is according to physics. You have the Big Bang explodes into this, like, um, in, in, in indistinguished pool of plasma. I mean, you just have this ex quickly expanding blob of plasma. There's nothing different stuff. about it. You just stuff, right? Now, the three fundamental forces, the strong force, the weak force, the electromagnetic force, those are the ones that kind of <clears throat> do the Big Bang. But then there's this other force, the force of gravity. force of gravity is a weak force. It's very weak compared to those other forces, and you don't really see the expression of gravity until the Big Bang has really spread itself out pretty far. And then gravity starts doing its work of shaping this plasma into these globes, these galaxies and stars and planets. And now it seems like there's some order and intricacy and uh, beauty to this plasma. It's not just a big smear. It's not just entropy run wild. It's not just the second law of thermodynamics having its way with all matter in the universe to the point that there's just nothing distinguishable about anything. You Instead, you get these very distinct objects, these spheres, these these lights, these, um, these interesting planets that have all these different properties and moons and uh, orbits. And, and it's like, wow, there's some sort of order that's been brought to our universe through this weak force called gravity. Well, if you ask the physicist, where's gravity come from? First you have string theory sort of saying, we don't know. And then you have M theory come in. M theory says, well, actually, string theorists, you guys got like 10 dimensions, and I think you almost got it right, but... What if there's this 11th dimension and it ties it all together? And what if gravity is actually coming from another dimension? What if gravity is not a force of this universe or this, the three dimensions we know or four dimensions we know in this uh, space-time continuum, but actually a further dimension that still sort of hasn't been spread out in our universe's sort of a hidden dimension that gravity leaks into from. And there are many, many scientists who subscribe to this M theory understanding of where gravity comes from. The gravity is actually not from this universe. It's leaking in from another universe, another dimension. And that's why it's so much weaker than the other forces. But that also gives it this power to create beauty and shapes in our universe in a way that wouldn't have happened. And then I'd like to take it a step further. And what if life is also coming from another dimension? And what if life is this force that's even weaker than gravity, but when you give it enough time and you give it the right doorway through quantum superposition, life is able to get the dice to roll the way they need to in order to create exquisite order and beauty and complexity and us. And maybe all we are is just 
amplifications of the expression, the image of life. Yep. What if physics is missing? Throw out the gravity and introduce the strong and weak interdimensional force, I would say. Membranes, you know, they pass close. It causes in... You do that with magnetic fields, you get induction, it creates electricity. You do that with... But it's not real strong, but... Well, you do that with membranes, you get gravity, sort of. Strong and weak interdimensional force. But, interdimensional physics. What? We didn't figure out quantum yet, hardly. <laughs> well, quantum <laughs> interdimensions, that's the doorway to it. That's, that's where... That's well, where it's, the other dimensions from. It's know? the... Um, we're going to take a quick break so that we can play this piece you're talking about. And when we come back, I want to talk about this. You said professional troublemaker. Mm. And, well, leaps in physics and things like that are, well, you could say disruptive. They are. And, uh, they we'll used to be able about... to get you killed. These days, I don't know if they can still get you killed, but you could, they used to be able to get you killed. Absolutely. Now you just have to wait you around do. 20 years for a ne yeah. the next generation to prove what you thought up. But, you know, it's fun. That. It's, they, so, could, they, could kill you. they could still kill your, rep your reputation, but they don't, they don't burn you at the stake anymore. I hope. Yeah, it's, it's so much better that way, really. They can, um, so we are from the future, and uh, then we'll be right back and talk about being disruptive and where you can find thewaysearmanifesto.com and stuffs. What should... Everybody, hang in there. We'll be right back. Greetings. We are from the future. Everything is going to be all right. The future is a beautiful place. But you'll need some training in order to inhabit it. In the future... Technology evolves faster than any human mind can think. When the singularity occurred, we became like gods, able to create entire worlds in the blink of an eye. Every thought had drastic immediate impact. All of our dreams became a reality. And so did our nightmares. The future became a battle of ideas. We had to learn to direct our minds to prevent dark psychological forces from destroying all of us. Now, with every new world we create, we summon the sacred imperative for life. Let there be light. How can we be from the future, you might ask? Let us explain. Plants harvest light with near-perfect efficiency. But this is impossible under classical physics. Along the way to the photosynthesizing core, photons of light should collide with other particles. But they don't. A photon reaching the core is as likely to succeed as you sprinting blindfolded through a dense forest reaching the center without striking a single tree. Plants are engaged in a kind of miracle. The plant puts the photon into a state of quantum superposition, 
multiplying it by every route that photon could possibly take. Imagine, blindly sprinting through a forest, being multiplied into every one of the billions of possible paths. If any one of your possibilities were observed hitting a tree, the superposition would collapse, and that would be your final outcome. But the plant patiently refuses to observe any of these casualties. While at its heart, it continues to sing, Let there be light. When any of the possibilities finally reaches the core without fail, only that winner is observed. All the other possibilities disappear. The winner is transmitted back through time, from the future, and becomes the only possibility that ever existed. This is how photons reach the plant's core with impossible precision. This is how you and every organism in existence overcame the massive improbabilities of life. This is how we are from the future. This is how you will become the light of the world. As we invoke the sacred imperative together, let there be light.
Welcome back, everybody. It was we are from the future. I thought it was cool when we were the people from the internet. Internet, we're here to help, but we're from the future now. Yeah, which is a very disruptive idea. And we, we when Nikki asked, "Who on earth are you?" One of the first mm-hmm. things to almost instinctively or reflexively come out was professional troublemaker. Oh yeah, because progress really particularly fast-track progress. Everybody's like in a hurry, it seems. They want to, you know, I want enlightenment now. Don't they have a drive-thru, don't they have a drive-thru for that or an app for that? Um, and, um, and progress like that is, is disruptive. It, you know, political progress sometimes looks like the mess we have in a couple of places on the planet. Mm. I, because sometimes you... You just got to figure out what you don't want, and then you're all of a sudden like, uh, what now? Because you hadn't bothered to look around for a while. Yeah. And uh, but being disruptive is kind of well, they're okay. discovering that in business, and yeah, and that this status quo thing is really kind of not all it was cracked up to be. Well, status quo keeps us. Um, it's like scaffolding keeps us on. Uh, keeps us give, keeps gives us dignity. Um, when we don't actually, when we're not actually um, on that level of dignity, it's sort of like a, an artificial dignity. It's like a, an artificial, uh, it's like crutches. So, so the rules are like crutches. They keep us head high, give us dignity uh, where we might not have had the common sense or the might not have been coming from the right place to to have just like uh, commanded that dignity from from our instincts. Uh, but then there's a you know causing the trouble disruption and oh, everybody's talking about disruptive innovation and disruption and disrupt this and disrupt that and there is this kind of uh, glorification of the disrupting now, um, but I think it's important as we enter into the disruption we have to recognize that like we were talking in the in the first segment that life force that that gravity like force that is life that operates in a more exquisite, intricate way than gravity does, but still does something very similar in the sense that it seeps into this uh, four-dimensional experience of ours and, and gives it shape in a way that it otherwise wouldn't have shape. And it, and it shapes the, the water molecules and the uh, protein molecules into DNA molecules and it shapes those DNA molecules into protozoa, single cell organisms, whatnot, who shape themselves into ever more complex and beautiful creatures. And we could say, well, what about Darwin? What what Darwin say about that? Because natural selection can just do that. And actually, the truth is, uh, and I'm going to say this uh, as a professional troublemaker, not as a scientist, that I, I believe the truth is that <laughs> that uh, Darwin only had half half the picture. I think I think Darwin's uh, natural selection again is like that scaffolding. It's like the crutches. It keeps the uh, beautiful creatures that life invents. Uh, it keeps them keeps them around if they're if they can survive and if they are you know if they are naturally selected by their environment. But wh- who is it that cr- that innovates in the first place? And I don't think it's just random chance because if you take artificial life the program, a Newtonian mechanical system, and you run a computer on it through trillions and trillions of generations so that you are simulating 
uh, how life might have evolved on this planet, but doing it with little programs as opposed to little DNA, which are just programs anyway. Nothing evolves. It all sticks or it sticks as just like bacteria, little clumps of bacteria. No interesting organisms ever evolve out of a system that is ruled over by entropy. And the reason that this system, these artificial life systems are ruled by entropy is because they are running on Newtonian classical computers and everything in the Newtonian classical world is ruled by entropy. Entropy is, you know, the second law of thermodynamics, which says that everything tends towards chaos, that that primordial plasma ooze is where entropy wants to push us. And it pushes everything that way. And that is why you will not see artificial life evolve into multicellular, beautiful organisms like butterflies and giraffes and kangaroos and us, because the bacteria went out, the single cell organisms, the most basic things just tear everything else apart because the entropy is at work. But somehow life has done it in our experience, in our dimension, in our universe, because there's this doorway, and this doorway is quantum superposition, that when things go into a quantum state, now there's the opportunity for something kind of spooky and magical is... Einstein called it spooky. Um, I'll call it uh, miraculous. And whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter what you call it, just matters that you call it. That is what seeps in through this, uh, this quantum doorway. And that, that is the antithesis of entropy. That is the thing that brings order where there is chaos. That is the true disruption that the good disruption, so you can be disruptive and break things and smash things and be an agent of chaos and entropy, or you can disrupt and kick things up a level to something more beautiful, something more exquisite, something more interesting and complex and wonderful and intelligent. And I do believe that if you're going to be that second kind of disruptor, that you need to be in alignment with the very essence of the intelligence of life. And that is not something that can be done um, uh, randomly. That is, that is a devotion. And I do believe the greatest geniuses and the greatest contributors to humanity, they may have been seen as troublemakers. They may have been seen as disruptors. And we may hail some of these great disruptive innovators because it's something beautiful that they created. But they're not being random. They're not disrupting for the sake of disruption. They are kicking things up a level through inspiration, through channeling their, the intelligence of life that, that courses through their veins, that, that light lightens their hearts and minds, and they are devoted to that light, like in that We Are From The Future video where we say, let there be light. If you are not saying let there be light, if you are not a devotee of the light or a disciple of the light, then you can be random as fuck, and that's just going to be all that comes out is chaos and bedlam and disorder. And you might consider yourself a disruptor, but are you really helping anybody? And that's the question. That's such a good point because oftentimes we equate the idea of being a disruptor with being destructive, needing to tear down the old system, needing to destroy the church in order to build something new. And that's just simply not so. A good creator knows that 
things can be built upon, that beauty can grow out of what already exists, Mm -hmm. that you don't need to tear anything down. Mm. So I'm so glad you brought that up because mm. it's an important distinction. Oh, Buckminster Fuller. To make. You know, mm. you don't you don't change things by fighting against the old system. You just make a new system that makes the old one obsolete. Yes. Poof. Amen. You, you, your eyes are on the prize, so to speak. You know. And that's the true disruption. That's the true disruption. That's the real disruption or disruptive innovation, right? So there's disruption and then there's disruptive innovation. And disruptive innovation, like you said, it's you're creating a better solution. You're showing a better way. And that, that's like, that is the true ideal occupation for the wayseer, for the upriser, for, and and the reason my website is upriser.com because it's like reaching for the heavens, reaching for the stars, rising up. But it's not bulldoze everything or knock everything down.com, you know, or, you know, rebel.com. Like, you know, just rebelling, just... Not that kind of uprising. (laughs) Yeah, there is. Yeah, exactly. The uprising, the true beautiful uprising is one of bringing a greater order, a greater wonder, a greater uh, beauty. And I think beauty is the hallmark of if you're doing it right. If you're doing it right, your solution is more beautiful than the solution that preceded it. And if you're doing it wrong, it's uglier. That's right. That's that. But if you were going to have to have those words, good and bad, it, good would be something integrative, and bad would be something segregative. Or in this case... Are you disruption for the sake of disruption or disruption because you're building something new on top? Mm. You know, yeah. Many, yeah. A, many a home's been torn down in a much finer example put in its place. Mm-hmm. But you, you had to, you know, have the spot. But the focus yeah. was on building the thing, not uh, not right. tearing anything yeah, down. Yeah, it wasn't, it was, a tear, it was, the focus wasn't on tearing it down because it's bad, it's wrong, it's got to go. It's it's more about well, I like this. I'm going to build it. This new thing's so cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, that's <laughs> Let's what make it's it. about. A devotion to the replacement, and and so that again, that's a especially with people. I mean, a lot of our uh, tribe has uh, terrible ADD, and um, and that gives you a, a kind of openness and a and a kind of uh, creativity, but also gives you kind of randomness and a lack of follow through. And really, like if you just you know approach that that uh, humble little house and you say, no, that could be such a big, I have a vision of this big, beautiful house. I think the, one of the bigger problems of our uh, ADD adult community is, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll tear down the house or tear down half of it and then kind of give up or move on or whatever, forget about it. And now you just have an eyesore and you just have something that could have been of value to somebody and now it's of no value to anybody. So you really do have to have that follow through, that devotion to the vision, to see the vision through, to actually create the new order in place of the old order, not just tearing things down, but actually having the follow through to build something better. Amen. Right, because it it is in our habit to to be walk in the path and suddenly go, oh, look over there, the shiny thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Get a little distracted. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. We we bit curious, you know, these critters. Just, oh, yeah. Shiny. <clears throat> Not like right. a toddler, you know. Right on. Like, so, so entropy is the cardinal crime of the future, um, and and creating entropy, tearing down houses, uh, tearing down things, and leaving uh, chaos in their stead is that is a that is the ultimate crime. That is what 
the uh, banksters did to our economy uh, in this last decade. We've you know, seen just the, the looting and the destruction and the, and the chaos that has ensued because they're just tearing stuff down and, and, and grinding it up and pouring it into their bank accounts. Uh, but they are, they are agents of entropy. And I do believe that in the future, when you are an agent of chaos, an agent of entropy, that will be the determiner of uh, how far off the mark you are. And I do believe that the future, the one thing the future can't afford is entropy. Well, I think the really beautiful thing about that, though, is that we're witnessing this this amazing rebirth and renewal out of the ashes of of that self-destructive Entropy attitude. cycle we had. <laughs> right, because well, across, entropy the adventure. Globe, the, across the globe, we're witnessing... Mm-hmm imagination and creation and collaboration and people are getting together and and they're just we could ask the government to do it we could ask the church to do it or we could just do it and so they're doing it right oh there's so much more available if you ask if you ask the quote government to do it you've got you know a few hundred people who are making the decisions there if you ask uh and that's if you have a democratic government with the Senate and Congress. Um, if you ask the church to do it, you're probably down to maybe 10 or one decision maker. If you, and that means all the creativity has to go through them. Those are huge bottlenecks. But if everyone's doing it, you're right on. Like There's so much more creativity available. And the beauty of true creativity, the, the creativity that reflects this uh, life intelligence, that life force that seems to be like gravity and make things ever more beautiful is that when you're tuned into that and you're that's your that's what you're channeling as a creative act um it'll be organized in with everyone else who's doing their creativity too like there will be some sort of spontaneous order uh to all of it because that's how life works that's that is the essence of life it's already it's already coming from the future the life has the perfect template for what we can become it's shining into us uh, from some other dimension that's outside of time. If you look at quantum entanglement, um, you know, if you go look at uh, Google's artificial intelligence lab that's based on quantum computing, they have a little Google Plus page, and one of the only posts on that page is this recent uh, confirmation that time doesn't exist in other dimensions of our universe. Once you step out of the four dimensions that we have, there is no time. The, you, you, quantum entanglement actually creates time. So you need quantum entanglement in our uh, three-dimensional space to create this thing, time. And so if time doesn't exist outside of that, that means that this template that life is giving us is also outside of time, meaning it's kind of coming from the future. At least the future is the most exquisite reflection of what life really is, because that's where we're headed. where the, the guiding light is shining from. Mm-hmm. Back from the future to collapse the wave in that one way. Mm-hmm. It may look crazy. Right. But, Again, you know. essentially, it's, it's, it's also our past. So, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating full circle motion. Mm-hmm. And it's... <sighs> you just make me smile. We don't get to have conversations like this every day. Well, I'll tell you uh-huh. what. No, no, it's not never crowded out out there. Out on the edge, no. Out on the left field, but um, 
So uh, you mentioned it already. Uh, we always try to be sure we get there, and I know that you have a, a vital, important uh, appointment coming up in just a few minutes. Um, and we really do want to thank you for carving out some time to come and chat with us because it's always fun, and this has been super extra fun. Um, but up, folks can go to upriser.com and wayseermanifesto.com. Mm-hmm. Um, or just wayseers.com, yeah. yeah. Or, and wearefromthefuture.com. Right. There's all these dot-coms, all kinds of dot-coms. All those dot-coms, dot-com. Smasherkeys.com, you know, but, uh, find, see where you end up. Right. It's, uh, but upriser.com has really got a lot of stuff. It's it's uh, awesome stuff that you're doing. And uh, and you do all kinds of other stuff. We couldn't possibly get to it in five shows, all the stuff you've been up to, mm. best well, as I up, can tell. Upriser.com is a great place to kind of tune into the tribe uh, to sort of see what's on the leading edge and, and participate in it and actually start you know being a co-creator of it uh, with other very brilliant minds. And you can post your own ideas, make your good ideas great, and your great ideas happen. You might even find a teammate or five to, to join you on the journey. That's what that's for. Wasters is more about the inner stuff. You know, that's more about the, the uprisers about the outer stuff. Wasters about the inner stuff. And then We Are From the Future is about uh, where we're headed. Yeah, because that's kind of one of the blessings of the Internet, yeah? You can have the craziest, weirdest idea you think that nobody could ever have, and you get on there and you find out there's there's some other folks that think that's cool and fun game to play, so let's go. Yeah, for sure. Like and, and it really playground. is a puzzle. You're looking for you're looking for the pieces that, that all kind of fit together to, to take that vision and make it a, a reality. Yeah. And yeah. they're out yeah. there. You just have to connect with them. Right. That's the beautiful right. part about it's it. It's a fun ride. It's a blast. It's it can be a little roller coasterish here and there, but you know, just throw your arms in the air and scream, and it's all cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, stay, stay tuned. You know, stay tuned in. I think that's the most important thing for the creative types, like probably our your audiences. We uh, we we are both are the uh, could be the greatest geniuses and and the worst messes and it's really just a matter of where is your where is your consciousness tuned and if you're tuned on if you're not tuned in man we're we're trouble it can be a real mess yeah it could be a real mess but if we're tuned in we can be amazing creators and that's really i think very important harmony yeah yeah uh so awesome again thanks for carving out some time for us coming to visit everybody get by uprising.com check it out uh, you'll also find links to uh, all some of those different spots on our website, everydayconnection.me, because it's all about me, no matter, mm-hmm. which, one of us, no matter which one of us me's is reading that. Uh, the universal and, me. That's it. Yeah. yeah. There's only one of us here, and it's you. Yeah. Tag, you're it. Oh. Right. <clears throat> so in, in, enjoy your film, and, uh, and thanks for coming to join us, and uh, maybe we'll do it again sometime. It's been fun. Yeah, sounds great. Take care. All right. God bless. Whoosh! That's the sound of those deadlines when they go flying by, right? (laughs) We wanted to pop back in here momentarily, folks, because, um, uh, frankly, I got so focused on uh, Garrett had to keep it to one hour because he had promised his kids he was coming to watch a movie, and he said that's priority, and we have the ultimate respect for that, and I got focused on the ticking clock and let it, 
shut down the show before we really shut down the show. So we wanted to come back and, and say good night and uh, uh, or good morning, wherever you may be, time as you keep it. And uh, we'll have more of these awesome conversations coming up. So we hope you'll join us for all of those. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. Have a great now, everybody. Join Jean and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. biggest question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.